Welcome to the Golden Age of Cardboard podcast, where we remember a time when stacks of cards were held together with rubber bands and Mickey Mantles were put in bike spokes. We hope you will enjoy and reminisce as you come along with us as we tell stories about the baseball cards from the Golden Age of Baseball. We will examine the state of the vintage baseball card market and talk to some of the greatest collectors in the hobby. You won't be hearing us talk about any chrome or shiny cards here. Now, to take you on this retrospective journey, here's your host, direct from the shallow end of the gene pool, my son, Mike Moynihan. Yo and hello everybody. Mike here, and welcome to another episode of the Golden Age of Cardboard podcast. I'm excited today to get back on the swing of things. I took last week off spring break here in Texas. I was out at my ranch with my kids and my wife. My kids are in college, but we still, you know, the times we get together, get together and hang out is getting fewer and fewer. Did some fishing. Um, my guest did some fishing today, who we're going to talk to in a minute. We may talk fishing, so that may bore you guys, but too bad. Fishing's fun. So did some fishing, uh, did some work, and just had a great relaxing week. Uh, my in-laws came in town, everything. It was like a big old party out at the ranch. And then we had some wildfires. If you've heard about the wildfires happening in Texas, they were pretty close to our place. And uh, nobody's been hurt, or at least that I know. And so far, so good. So anyway... Uh, Back to the podcast, back to getting back into a swing of things. And, and you know, today my guest is a guy that I've known for a little while. I'd call him a friend now. We, we've interacted enough now where we've become friends. And I don't know about you guys, but when you're on the hunt for vintage cards, you can always go to eBay. You can always go to Sport Lots or, you know, some other place to buy cards, Facebook, Instagram, wherever. But I'll tell you, there's not much more valuable in the hobby than a trusted dealer that you can deal with. And I have found that in my guests today. I think uh, I'll just bring them on and then we can start talking about our brief history together. And then I want you to hear a lot more about his history, because when you when you find that trusted dealer, man, it's like a great pair of shoes that you just don't want to take off because you know what you're getting and you know you can trust him. and the, I feel the more rapport you build with people, the better deals you can get. Not that you're trying to swindle anybody on either side, but you just, you know, I want to pay as little as I can for cards. A dealer wants to sell their cards for as much as they can. Somewhere in the middle is probably uh, a point where you can both agree and walk away happy. And that's what you get when you get a, a, a dealer that you really trust and like. And let me bring them on right now. Craig, Hey, how you doing, man? Doing great. I love the intro with your dad. That's that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he gets a kick out of that. Every time I hear it, I just laugh at the end, and because I am from the shallow end of the gene pool. <laughs> My dad is literally the smartest guy I've ever known. It's insane how much just life experience savvy he has. I don't know. Yeah. Um, that's great. And he's a collector too, but he collects tools and woodworking stuff and. Yeah, this is your, you've never been over. That's that's my beast right there where I keep all my slabs. I assume that was probably full. 
it is pretty darn full, actually. I have to go check that out next time I'm down that way. I told you, and when you're in Dallas, man, you got to come down here because you would, uh, you'd, it'd be, you'd be like a kid in a candy store here. Oh, I bet I would. And we'd have a good time talking cards, which we're going to today. I, thank you for being on the show. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for the kind words. I appreciate that. It, well, it, it all true. And Craig, you run a, a, a you're run, you're a dealer kind of it's a side gig for you really it's a it's a passion gig for you yeah but you're at nationals you go to the dallas card show you probably go to other regional shows how many weeks a year are you doing shows selling cards well i'd say you know i think i've probably done that dallas show maybe two or three times a year then i do the national then there's some shows i do in the nashville tennessee area uh and they've got a show coming up in june called the midwest monster that i'm going to do that's up by indianapolis that's that's supposed to be a pretty good show. So those, you know, I, I like to do those two or three day shows at least, you know, you can kind of get settled in, get set up and you don't have that pressure of getting there so early and having everything packed up, unloading the show and then loading back up and go home the same day is kind of a little bit much, but uh, I, I like the two or three day shows if, if we can get to those. All right. I got a lot of questions to unpack with you. I want to start with yep. the first one that you just brought up something okay. I've always wondered about with dealers. Cause I'm thinking, man, if I ever wanted to sell my collection, which I have no intention to, but if I ever did and I wanted to go to a show, how the heck do you get everything there? Yeah. I mean, your tables have thousands of cards yeah, in slabs yeah. and sets and all sorts. The logistics of that must be difficult. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, I, I retired from Walmart and supply chain and logistics. And so I, I got a little experience there, but, you know, just uh, I've got a minivan and, every, and everybody that comes to shows, they see I've got like the Dallas show. I think I used to have five to six tables. So I've got one of the biggest spreads of vintage at the show. How, how do you get all this stuff here? Well, I got it all in a Toyota Sienna minivan. And they're like, no way. But yeah, I've got, you know, you've seen all of my books that I have. I've all the vintage of every year for the set builders. Now I've got, I think, 13 showcases. Uh, and then all the sets that I bring, all the singles, all the boxes. And it's, I've got it down to a fine science. And of course, like you said, you got two, you got some kids in college. My kids will help load cards. And of course, Holly, you, you've met Holly. She's, if I couldn't do any of it without her. And, uh, you know, they help load the van up. And we've just got to, We've got it down to a science of how we get it all in there. There's times I've put everything in there. I'm like, oh, the weight. And I get a little bit nervous about it. And <laughs> make sure the tires are good. But but uh, knock on wood, everything's, you know, everything seems to work out. And we get it loaded and unloaded. And then the best part is loading to go home because hopefully it's lighter. Yeah. Right? Because it was lighter than the last Dallas show because the last Dallas show was was really great. I mean, it was a great show. But well, I think one of the reasons and one of the advantages maybe of a Dallas show versus say an East Coast show is Dallas is not a lot. There's not a lot of vintage dealers there. So right. if you're hunting for vintage, I mean, I know where you guys are set up. I go back there, and I, that's my first place to to check out. Yeah, I like to have that same location. I know it's kind of in the back there, but I think everybody knows to head that way and, you know, find me. And uh, the more shows I do there in Dallas, it seems like the more of the following I have the same way in Nashville and at the national, I get a chance to meet people, like you said, and that's, I enjoy that more than anything. And of course, helping people build their sets and complete their sets. That's always a, you know, uh, that's kind of what we shoot to do is that folks come in and they, they've got their list of cards that they need. And hopefully we can, 
get a majority or all of them and complete the set. And that's just, that's the best part of the day when I can help somebody complete their set because they're excited about it and I'm excited about it. So. So I have a confession to make to my listeners out there is I w- I've been secretly working on a 1970 top set. I haven't told anybody about it except a cl- couple of close friends in the hobby. And I just a raw set other than the Hall of Famers, which I have all graded. Um, I got another one today, uh, uh, Jim Catfish Hunter. But I, when I was looking for the commons, I the reason I did the 70 top set is I had a buddy who John Newman, who does uh, Sports Card Nation podcast, he bought a collection, had a bunch of 1970 tops, commons. And so I did a deal with him to buy those from him. They were just beautiful, like way more than I really need for a set in terms of condition. But uh, I got a great deal on them and not very many high numbers. So it was 350 cards or whatever. That's a 720 card set, I think. And so then I started buying a bunch on sport lots and you can get them super cheap there. And then I was like, oh, I need a bunch of high numbers. And I got to the Dallas show. I came to Craig, Craig, you got any 70 tops uh, high numbers? And you're like, yep. And box and book. And I'm like, okay, let me, I'll be here first thing in the morning. This was on a Friday and I went back Saturday morning. First thing I was there first thing. And I just started going through commons and it was great to see the cards and be able to pick them out and, you know, add a, bring a stack up and go, okay, how much, you know, and let you kind of add it all up and, and give me a total. And I know you love that part of being a dealer. Why is that so important to you? Why is that so special to you? You know, I think at the end of the deal, I mean, for me, I want to make sure that when I sell the cards that the customer or the collector is happy with the cards and with the price. Um, I guess I'm one of those guys that uh, I just want to make sure that they're going to come back, you know, that you're happy because, you know, I, I know I talk to a lot of collectors that will walk around a show <clears throat> and they'll, they'll come back and be like, Hey, you know, you were the fairest with your price or your cards were nice and liked, you know, they like working with myself and Holly and my buddy Ryan Turner's helps me with the shows too. And he can come and, and it's just, you know, try to make it as easy as we can uh, and make it enjoyable. And, you know, we want to be able to complete someone's set or find that card for that collector because that's just as much of a thrill for us as it is for them. Cause I'm a collector too. I have a huge collection. So what I take the shows is just kind of stuff that I've decided, okay, I'm okay with getting rid of. Um, so I'm going to help collectors build their collection and, and fill their sets. So whatever I can do to make it fair and make sure that the, the buyer, the collector is happy. That's, that's important to me. Yeah. And I just know, I, I remember, we first met, I want to say at Chicago 19 would be my guess. Yep. I think it was. Yeah. Cause I did an interview with you guys in one of my yeah. videos for that show, a recap of that show. And that's where you, if you guys want to go see Holly, you know, watch her be silly. You can go watch that. <laughs> but, uh, and you were in a Dallas show video that I did a few times ago too, but you know, doing, at the national, I remember seeing all the stuff you had and I was like, Oh my gosh. And I bought, I don't know, a bunch of cards from you. Yeah. I remember I bought a 71 tops Clemente. It's you, everybody out there knows it's a collector, you know, you can remember when you bought cards and who you bought them from, if they were significant, you know, cards for your collection. Cause you, maybe there's something about that interaction that sticks in your mind or something that you remember. And I remember that 71 tops Clemente. And then I brought friends over and they bought, 
64 yeah. tops giant. You had a ton of 64 tops giants that yeah. year, like raw. Yeah. And I yeah. had a buddy that bought a mantle from you and a, and a Clemente yeah. and just little things like that, that stick in your mind. Right. And you had a ton of stuff. Then here's my point. You still have a ton of stuff and this is all yeah. the stuff you just want to get rid of. Yeah. What is your collection? What do you like to collect? What do you keep? Yeah. So I've, I've been fortunate to buy a lot of collections, a lot of great collections over the years. Um, Cause I started collecting when I was in grade school. But, uh, you know, every time I buy a collection or if I see something that catches my eye, I keep it and put it away. So I've been doing that since the 80s, I guess. Um, so, I mean, I, you know, I collect T206s, Hall of Fame, rookie cards. A lot of them are graded. And I've got a lot of complete sets. Um, I've got autographed bats, balls, Heartland statues. I've got a whole basement just of stuff. and. A lot of unique items, you know, 72 tops poster set and just all kinds of things that, that, uh, you know, and I love to, I just love to go through cards, you know, um, I've heard a couple of your other podcasts. Uh, one of the guys that you were, you had a podcast with, was talking about whenever you buy collections and you get to go through those boxes and get to go through those cards. It's just such of a good feeling to go through stuff when you buy cards. I mean, every, I think everybody that's a collector can say that whenever they buy, even if it's a set or, you know, a collection or whatever, you get a chance to go through cards. I, I just love to do that. So a lot of times when I'm going through stuff and I've got a lot of gouty, you know, I, I put those cards away um, in my collection, pennants. I mean, anything that catches my eye, um, you know, I put that, uh, make sure that that's separated from the stuff that I'm okay to, to get rid of. But And I've always thought as a dealer, it's the reason I've said this before in a podcast that I would never be a dealer. I would never want to do cards full time as a job because even as a, even in the way that you do it, because I would want to keep everything. Right. I'm it's such different. a hoarder and I'm such a, but I, I'm I just sold a card yesterday that I have a dupe of. So I kind of get it right. But at the same time I would find, so I would, at what point during the investigation of a collection that you've bought or whatever, yeah. Do you go, okay, I need to sell at least X, you know, I need to at least make my money back and a, a right. profit for my time. Do you I, yeah. kind of go through that as you go through them or? I, I do. I mean, not as much as, I mean, you know, when I buy collections, um, I guess I really don't have to sell anything. I mean, I'm pretty fortunate, but um, you can't keep it all because Holly is very patient with me. I mean, I've got a lot of stuff, but I think, you know, I go through and, you know, the Hall of Fame rookie cards are always a stickler for me. So, I mean, if I see those or if cards are in really, really beautiful shape and it's great, I mean, I'll get cards graded because when I do these shows, you know, some people want a graded card. Some people want a raw card. So, you know, I try to have a little bit of everything for everybody. Um, but it is just, I mean, what you're saying, it is hard when you buy a collection. And I bought some massive collections of all vintage to try to decide what, what am I going to keep and what am I going to sell? I mean, I've got, I've got uh, some cards from when I was a kid, when I was buying them that I've still got today uh, that were mantles that I bought when I was in grade school or I, my parents even got me a mantle for my birthday one year. Uh, what year? In 1985. It was a 59 tops mantle. Actually I was, we were down in Florida at spring training, visiting some family and I'll never forget it. I think it was 86 because Ozzie Guillen and Todd Whirl, I think, were the rookies of the year. So I was looking for Ozzie Guillen rookie cards, and I was at a card shop uh, down in Florida. I think it was in Sarasota. 
anyway, my mom and my mom had taken me to the card shop there and I was looking for Ozzy Guillen uh, rookie cards. And the guy said, yeah, I've got Ozzy Guillen rookie cards, but Ozzy Guillen standing right next to you. And he was standing, he was in the card shop. No kidding. Some of his game use stuff for Roberto Clemente cards. So wow. he was there. I thought that was really, that was pretty wild. You know, I was looking for his cards. He was standing next to me. So he signed some stuff for me. And then that same day I bought, uh, my mom got me a 59 Topps Mickey Mantle for my birthday. I remember it was 50 bucks. And uh, I ended up getting graded years later by PSA. It's PSA 7. And I've got it in my collection wow. today. So that was, that's kind of, you know, I, that kind of started my collecting. And then uh, the autograph, collect autographs, you know, getting autographs. I remember meeting Mantle and Whitey Ford and Johnny Mize traveled together. Uh, and did shows and they were in Springfield, Illinois. And I got to meet those guys and Mantle signed some couple balls and an eight by 10 and Ford Mize. And then kind of from there, uh, you know, I started collecting autographs and going to spring training. My parents had a place in Florida. So I met a lot of players and got a lot of great autograph bats and balls. And then my kids got into it and Holly was getting autographs and my parents and we just turned into a family affair you know just and of course i've never sold an autograph um just because i collect them but that's always been a lot of fun so just you know just the love of baseball and there's so much you know that you can collect and you can get into um, and i've managed to get into a lot of it but it's it's I'm a lot of fun. with you yeah I'm totally with you those are memories and stories that i just i never get tired of hearing that kind of stuff yeah uh, as a child of the 80s too i I have those same memories of going into yeah. the old dusty card shops and, you oh, know, yeah. and always eyeballing the vintage and going, Oh man, someday, you know? Oh yeah. And I, I've talked about this life cycle of a collector. I think any kid that starts collecting will collect the current players that you wanted Guillen and Worrell. Right. And yeah, they were the rookie of the years that year. Right. I think those were the, the guys. Hot, yeah. hot thing at the time. And I felt I was the same way in the early eighties, mid eighties. Yeah. I wanted Conseco's and, you know, Right. Whatever. Actually, I think 85 was Ian and Orel. Now was it 85? Yeah. So 86 was uh, Conseco and. Yeah. So whatever year they were both rookie of the year. That was yeah. the year I, I went, met Orel. He signed a ball for me at Bush Stadium. And then I got Guillen on a, it was actually a business card at that yeah. card shop. He signed the back of the business card there for me. So I thought that was kind of. That was kind of yeah, cool. that's awesome. I mean, it was and but I think as a kid, you collect the current players and then you kind of mature in your collecting as you get older. Yeah. You have a little more means, you have a little more disposable income, you can start right. buying the cards you couldn't afford. I always thought vintage was cool, I just couldn't yeah. afford any of it, you know. And the old stuff always appealed to me at, at a certain level, and now it's just yeah, I, I think you just yeah, you do. I mean, I, I remember whenever my mom and my sister, we'd go to Evansville, Indiana. They had card shows over there at the mall. I remember the mall shows back in the eighties. I would go to the tables and I was kind of a different breed, I guess, but I would go through and pull out the We Have shows, Orlando Cepeda's, all those guys. I mean, not, not only was I buying packs at the card shop, but I was buying vintage cards in the eighties of all those hall of famers. Um, because I just, I loved it. My dad kind of got me into, you know, older players and, um, you know, watching a lot of those guys, uh, yeah, I've got those old home run derby videos and stuff like that and just starting to buy in their cards. And that got me into the vintage and I never really stopped, you know, I mean, I kept buying cards, um, back in the eighties and nineties of the old cards. And then I started getting into 
fortunate to buy some, you know, some big collections that were amazing. So uh, once you get it in your blood, I think you just, you got it, right? You're not, it's not, it's not going away. It's a permanent infection. Yeah. I like to say, and, and it's a good one uh, because it's, there's always more to get. You, you don't ever have it all. And even if you do get it all, you can upgrade, you can, you can do all kinds. There's just so many ways to go, so many tentacles that that can spread to. Because uh, I'm big into autographs too. Uh, you probably not even, I mean, if you ever come over here, like we said, my autographs will impress you more than my cards. Probably. Yeah. Wow. But I love that stuff too. Um, you mentioned, you know, you're talking about buying collections and that's how you've built up your inventory. Right. So to speak, along with your collection. Do you think, is that drying up in our world today? Do you think that's fewer and far between those opportunities? I don't, yeah, I, th I don't think it's like, it, like it was, I mean, there's still collections out there and you know, it kind of depends on what, like I'm here in the Midwest here in Southern Illinois. And um, I think there's still some collections out there, you know, five or 10 years ago, I think there was a lot more, um, you know, it's just a matter of, uh, you know, families that have them, if they decide that they want to part with them, you know, there's been collections I've looked at and just helped people uh, get them graded and then they sold them. I didn't buy them. I've done that too for people. So, I mean, right. it just kind of depends on uh, what they, what the family wants to do. I've bought collections where I've helped them get them graded and uh, you know, sold them at an auction house. And then I bought the rest, you know, I've done all kinds of different things, kind of whatever, um, whatever the seller or the family, whatever they decide they want to do, I'm, I'm okay with, you know, so I've done, I've done a lot of that. Yeah. I just had this, I guess idea in my mind that there's a finite amount of these out there, right? There's they can't, it just can't go on forever. At some right. point, all of them will have been yeah. discovered, right? Sold, bought, whatever. And so I, I would think the opportunities will get fewer and fewer in the years slash decades to come. Yeah. I think right. so because the value. And you know, when we had COVID, everybody was looking their cards, getting their, you know, how many times did a show that we've set up and and people well, you know, during COVID and all that, I got my cards out or dad's cards or, you know, and they kind of got into it. So, you know, there may not be those those collections that you find that were really a one-time collection that really haven't been handled in forever. They may be the collections that came back out and then the family kind of maybe worked because I have people that come and they build their sets and they have their dad's collection and they started building sets that dad was working on. Maybe he's no longer around, passed away or whatever, and they're trying to build on to his collection. So um, I think there's just, man, I think there's more people getting in to collecting vintage cards and, you know, I, and it's kind of exciting too. A lot of the shows I'm seeing younger, uh, younger folks getting into vintage cards too. So that's, that's kind of exciting. It is for you, not for me. Cause I'm now competing with these people to buy these cards. So yeah. it's yeah. good for you as a dealer. Cause it gives right. more opportunities to sell things, but yeah as a collector, I'm like, no, go away from my table. <laughs> yeah. I've, we've had some full tables and everybody's about to arm wrestle over who gets the next book, of, <laughs> you know, 52 Bowman's or whatever. Or I want that box. And, um, but no, I mean, usually everybody's really great. I mean, I really, the Dallas card show has been great for us. Everybody's just friendly and um, it's been outstanding there. So we love coming down to Dallas. Well, that's because we're in Texas. Everybody's yeah. nice in Texas. Great. We love Texas. Yeah. Um, 
let's let's talk about grade the state of grading right now because as a dealer i know you have a lot of raw vintage you know right. kind of primo cards that you would love to send in right yeah. right assuming a you could get them back in a timely manner and b the price was fairly reasonable it's it's not now the time right. is forever and the price is makes it cost prohibitive and for a guy like me and this is my question to you mm -hmm. So I might want a Jim Hunter 1970 tops card graded. Right. Well, and I don't need a nine or an eight would like a seven maybe, or a six, but those have gotten cost prohibitive for me to buy. And nobody's grading this stuff, this kind of mid range stuff anymore. Cause it doesn't, it's not worth it. Right. Yep. You're going to pay $50. This card, I, I paid $18 for it, you know? Right. So, now it's a five, right? But more often than not, your vintage is going to come back mid grade, maybe, you know, fives, four, five, six, and sevens, kind of that range, most likely. I mean, for crying out loud, they're 40 years old, 50 years old cards, right? They're going to, they've been handled at least a couple of times. And so it, it's becoming more difficult for me as a collector to find stuff that I want at a, like, I'll, tell this story at your table there were there was a 64 tops tony oliva i don't know if you remember i was i remember i remember the cards i passed on okay but there was a 64 tops i think you had it in a seven um maybe even a just a six and i say just a, it was a great card yeah but it was you know a 100 bucks and that was a fair price but i was like golly right. it's just yeah. a second year tony oliva it's not like it's mickey yeah. mantle and and so I just, yeah, I'm good, you know? Yeah. Um, but I get why you, that's the price that the market is, you know, it's not like you're, we, you and I both will look up VCP prices together right. and, and kind of come to a fair uh, idea of what the real value, the card is worth and right. make, try to make a deal. But I've passed on cards at your booth too, just because I've gone, golly, and, and you can't grade them anymore any of the kind of mid to lower end stuff is that frustrating for you is that yeah. i mean first of all i hope that you know the supply and demand and not being able to get those cards is not priced into the value of the card does that make sense yeah because to me you know that catfish hunter card is worth what the catfish hunter card is worth in that condition not because you can't find that catfish hunter card in a six or seven does that make sense i mean right that would aggravate me. I mean, as a, even as a dealer or as a collector, um, but it's tough right now because I have a, you know, I have a lot of a following of people that build set registry sets and that send me emails. Hey, you come to Dallas. I've got a lot of collectors that are building sets. Do you have, you know, and I, my inventory is down. I mean, at one time I had a ton of graded, even commons, you know, I sent a lot of commons off and had a lot of great, even cards in the fifties and sevens and eights. And, you know, over a year's time, I've sold a lot of those and I can't afford to send a 56 tops common in at $50 a piece. Now, I'm hoping that that changes because they've got to take care of the set registry folks. I mean, those are the people that really made PSA successful. So I know, you know, I think Nat Turner mentioned that uh, they're hoping to get the price down where it's going to be reasonable again, where you can get a common graded and for these set registry people. But, you know, like you're saying. I mean, it's going to have to dry up if there's no more that's out there. Because I don't, I don't know anybody that's grading commons for fifty dollars a piece. No, it, you never would. 
And you made a statement that I don't know that I agree with, which is they have to take care of their set registry. I'd like to think they would want to take care of their set registry people. I'm one of them. Right. I don't, I don't know that they have, I don't know that they will. I mean, they can talk a big game and do all this stuff. We would like to think that they will, that they will. Yeah. I would, I mean, that's a big part of their business. I mean, you've got all these folks that are trying to complete a set and that have been doing this set registry for a long time. So I don't know. You know, I hear you. I'm not. I'm not all that they're going to do it. You know that it's going to come. Be a yeah. more I hope so. I guess. I guess I'm positive. I'm. I'm. I'm hoping that it gets reasonable because I've got boxes and boxes of great high grade stuff that I want to get graded. You know, and I've used SGC a little bit, but most people that are building these registry sets are using PSA. So you know, that's where I've got to. I got to try to get some stuff in there to PSA, but I just. I just can't do it. I mean, I've got. There's a guy that I sent some manuals. He's a PSA authorized dealer, and I went ahead and let him. He actually flew out to California here a week or so ago and had some nice stuff that he that he took out there for me. But uh, as far as comments, manuals are worth grading, right? I mean, I get that. Are. That does make the juice worth the squeeze. Yeah. It's not as much on an Orlando Cepeda 68 tops or right. you know, random Hall of Famer, common, whatever. Yeah. And that makes me – sad's not the right word frustrated maybe yeah not that i can do a darn thing about it i've i'm trying to get nat turner on this show he doesn't know who i am from adam and he wouldn't answer the question even if i asked him but uh he's talked positive about it now if, if he if he comes through with that i mean i hope he does just yeah. for the for the collectors but uh, and i and i agree it, it was a big part of their business sustaining them through the years where grading was more niche than it is now incredibly commonplace yeah I mean, it's normal but now you got them there the backup was caused by Luis robert rookies and you know yeah. all these modern ultra modern cards being sent in not by the guys like us sending in right you know, 56 tops commons right. so i i think their 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 shift that the shift, not their shift, but the they don't control who sends what cards in, but the shift of people sending in all this ultra modern stuff to get graded. And there's 20,000 copies of Louis Roberts rookie in a PSA 10. Uh, it, it, it's made it hard for the rest of us, the, the yeah. vintage guys. I, I think that I could see like some specials down the road where you can only send in fifties cards or sixties cards or something. And you right. get a, a cheaper per card rate, on that if you're if you're sending in a 2022 tops forget about it you know you're paying 50 bucks but if you and and that could be a way to make it reasonable for for you and me to do that again i think that would appease a lot of the collectors if they could maybe focus on an era like that yeah. you know um, i think that would be a good thing it so could be some that. common ground solution but uh the i mean you're selling i mean you're not getting new grading inventory in so right unless right. you're buying it as part of a collection so your your stuff's got to be kind of drying up right yeah i mean i don't have the graded cards that i did have now i've been pulling some stuff out of my collection a little bit not a lot but some where i've been selling a few of those cards some of the some nice ones because i've got i've got dupes of some stuff but um, as far as the set registry and even like at the national you know when we head out to atlantic city um, i've got some stuff at psa that i should be getting back 
where I'll, I'll have some stuff, but nothing like what I had. So even if, even if they made something happen between now and the national, I'm not going to get it back. So, uh, you know, that's going to be tough, but you know, a lot of people are collecting raw. There's, I think that I sell more raw than I do graded at the show. I mean, um, the set, like the last show in Dallas, the set builders and just people wanting a not, a lot of people don't want a graded card. They want to be able to hold that card and they want to smell it and they want to know that that's a vintage card. And so that's, you know, I kind of key on more raw and I got a lot of great cards that I could grade and put away in a box that I don't and I sell them raw and people, people love it. And that's, that's what I want to do. You know, I want to make sure that they can get a nice raw card. So I don't grade everything. Um, if, you know, if I did, I'd have, I mean, I wouldn't have that much stuff to sell raw because there's a lot, but I'm not going to wait around for PSA. I want to continue to do what I'm doing. And, so what uh, percentage of your business would you say is graded versus raw? Gosh, I would say, you know, there's so much, I sell so much out of the set builders because I've got, you know, so many commons and stars from, and even baddies, but all the way up through the 50s and 60s and 70s. So I'd say it's probably 75, 25 raw to uh, graded. So I bet you 75% of my business is raw cards, but I've got a lot more raw. So, I mean, you know, um, I sell a lot more of it. Was that true two or three years ago when you had a larger graded card inventory? Uh, I would say it probably wasn't that. It was probably more maybe 60, 40. Okay. Um, but you know, there's a lot of people right now that are just building raw sets too, I think, um, from what I've seen. I'm starting to do it. Yeah. I mean, they're built because they know they're not doing graded much. So they're finding nice. They like a nice, raw, clean card for their stars or their commons and they're building their sets and getting it done and then starting the next year, you know. So um, a lot of people are doing that. By the way, I've got a business plan for you. Maybe you and I could go into this together. I think we should start. We should we should develop a cologne that is the smell <laughs> of vintage cards. Like yes, people that don't know, there is a distinct aroma. Yeah, to a vintage card, and I don't know if it's the leftover sugar residue from gum <laughs> or a, with a combination of musty age right. and what but that we we could make Uday vintage yeah know? and love that love, the, love that dollar idea right there craig you and me let's do it let's that's how you plan. that's how you find out if a card is legit i mean if it's, you know a lot of people come up to me and they i've had people bring me cards i want to know if the card is if it's real or if it's fake or if it's a reprint and i always tell them about the smell test you know i mean that's one thing that I mean, it's there on all these vintage car vintage cards, unless somebody figures out how to buy, make a cologne to spray it on it to make it smell old. <laughs> Is that where you're headed, there, Mike? No, I I guess I could have just given a an idea to the crooks out there that would make something to to do that. Yeah, no, I think it's yeah. I love, love that's another great part about vintage cards is the smell for sure. It is. Uh, it's hard to explain to someone that doesn't know what we're talking about, but most guys that listen to this podcast are vintage oh, yeah. guys. So they, yeah. they know exactly what we're talking about. Um, I Dang it. I've been doing a good job taking notes because you mentioned something earlier that I wanted to bring up and uh, I forgot it already, but I want to bring up the next, I did write this one down. The national, Mm -hmm. Dallas. How would you compare the two shows? So yeah, Dallas, 
to me, is probably one of the biggest shows going in the nation. As far as the vintage part, I mean, there's not a lot of vintage at that show. I mean, there's some, but not a lot. Um, but, you know, the national is just, uh, for me, is even crazier just because I have, I've been doing, you know, shows on and off since I've, I recently retired. I've been able to do a few more shows, but I've got people that kind of come in from all over the nation and they'll come see me and bring their lists and, we're usually, you know, the table's usually covered up. And so the national's definitely busier than the Dallas card show, but uh, not the Dallas card show is not busy because it is. I mean, that last show that we did was there's, there's definitely been days, usually the Saturdays and the Dallas card show is pretty much like the national for me because it's, you know, I got the whole spread and it's usually packed people just buying. So, um, I mean, I'm, 11 hours away, but there's a reason why I'm coming down there because we love, we love coming down there. Texas is great. And everybody that we deal with at the show is awesome. I mean, and, and uh, I get the same customers that and, and new ones, but they all come back and uh, we've got a good following. That's the big part is the following that you get in an area where you do these shows and they remember you when um, they come back and they buy more cards. So you got to treat them right. I, I feel this. I've been buying from you since 2018, yeah. technically. No, yeah, yeah. And uh, when you drive to a show, like, have you been to a national in, in Atlantic City? Did you go to the last one there? Not Atlantic City, no. Uh-uh. I have yeah, this I our first trip, so yeah, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a long haul for us. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what that is. Like, some people are dreading it and all that. I yeah, I'm just excited to go to a new place. I've never been to Atlantic yeah. City. Uh, it should be fun. I mean, it's going to be a national for crying out loud. How can you not have fun? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, you know, and the more nationals that I get under my belt, the you know, you get you get more in there, and you whenever they have your table draws, you can kind of get a better location. Which, you know, I'm I've been pretty fortunate to get pretty good spot, but it really doesn't matter. I think when I was talking to Megan, she you know she kind of runs everything there for the national. And she said really the layout at the Atlantic City show, there's really not a bad location set up at the at the national atlantic city so um, well we're excited excited about it 2018 was your first national if i remember right yeah okay that was our first national there Yeah, because you were back in the red carpet area in chicago back there which is great because your feet don't hurt walking around there yeah that's the good part that chicago national is just i mean it's it was amazing then the last one they had too was just it was nonstop action you know met a lot of great people we had a lot of fun so when you think about, I guess, the since 2018, when I met you, mm-hmm. to me, that was kind of the last, and where was 19? I just went blank. Where was the 19 national? Well, we had Chicago, and then we were back at Chicago. So we've had two, right? Because we had the one year we didn't have a national. I've been to Chicago twice. For oh, you're right. 18 was Cleveland. I met you at the Chicago National in Chicago 19. Chicago National, yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, 19, no 20, then 2021. 20, back in Chicago. So 2019, when I met you, that was kind of the last age of innocence, so to speak, within the hobby because everything has exploded since then. Mm-hmm. What would you say from a dealer's perspective is the biggest changes that you've seen in the hobby from then until now? So from the last national that I've done? No, the 19 national. Because 20, 21 was nuts, right? right? So 
that was already po you know we were in the craze and that's a times that we're in now yeah i mean you know for me i mean I, the the shows and and i've kind of chosen for a reason with dallas the nationally's big shows it hasn't it hasn't slowed down any i mean nothing's changed for me to be honest i mean it's we're we're still busy as we've ever been um i felt like it didn't skip a beat now that last chicago national was i mean we were absolutely wore out. I mean, it was just, it was just nonstop. And we're, I'm lucky to have my buddy Ryan Turner help Holly and I with the shows. Cause the three of us, it's, it was tough to, tough to keep up. But also the other thing like I talked about earlier, I feel like there's just a lot of people that are buying raw, nice raw cards this past year since PSA and the lockdown and everything where they're not doing the graded. I don't know if it's because they can't find it or if they're just building sets raw sets. Um, but I feel like I'm selling more raw, uh, cards now than ever. And that may be because I don't have as much inventory, but, uh, there's a lot of people building sets, um, that are doing that. So have you seen, especially like the last couple Dallas shows, mainly this year, I would say, or maybe the last six months that you've been doing shows, would you say you've seen more kids? I say kids, people doesn't have to be kids coming up to you with their Pelinka cases wanting, you know, Hey, are you buying? Yeah. I mean, I've had some, you know, the Dallas show, I've bought a few collections. I've had a few collections come to my table that I bought of vintage, um, but not a whole lot because everything I have is vintage. So a lot of the guys that have the Pelican cases, we got the new shiny cards. So they usually see what I got and they, they kind of walk right by, but sometimes they'll show me not that I don't have some, newer cards. Cause I've got, I've got some, my son's 20 and he, he's a Mike Trout fan. So I do have some pretty good trout rookies, but, uh, um, you know, I've, uh, I've had a couple collections come by there, um, a vintage, but, uh, the, I have bought a couple nice collections. I met some people at the last national in Chicago that have came by and visited. And, uh, one of them was, uh, all Gowdies. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I've had fun with that, uh, an early 50 stuff. Um, but uh yeah i mean um, the dallas show has been has been really good that last show to me was just as good as any dallas show that i've done and i know talking to some of the other dealers they weren't as busy but it had vintage but we were you know we were just nonstop. but uh, it's it's always good to see that you know you always you always see and i follow some facebook groups and you'll see comments about oh the market's slowing down or uh you know what's everybody's thoughts and usually most people that chime in that are really in the mix say, no, it's not slowed down one bit. If anything, it's just as strong as it ever was. And I really feel like it is. Um, and I don't, I don't see it changing much. I mean, too many people just enjoy it. I know a lot of people do it for investment, but it's something that people do as an enjoyment that they really like to do and they feel good about it. So it's not only an investment just to build sets and, but I mean, a lot of people just love to do it. It brings them, brings them, makes them happy. So, there's there's a lot going there so no doubt no doubt i certainly enjoy it you do too yeah. oh i do uh so many people out there listening to this podcast do and i and i really appreciate your perspective um you know i've i was kind of kidding with you at the last dallas show hey you should come on to the podcast and yeah i, I was joking around but not because i didn't think you'd say yes and so i'm glad that you oh yeah to come and and just kind of share some insight a different perspective because collectors yeah. have a different 
perspective than dealers. But at the yeah. same time, I think all dealers are still collectors to some degree. Yeah. yeah. And I think people need to not have the pressure, you know, just collect what you want. If a card catches your eye, you know, if you want to buy it, buy it. Um, if you can afford it, but um, just, just make, you know, that's what I do. I, I have to, you know, we talked about when I have collections and I buy cards and have stuff and what I want to sell, what I don't want to sell, but um, just make sure that you're enjoying it. I mean, I enjoy doing these shows. I don't want to do so many that it's just, of course I have, I'm kind of, Holly's got, I got to have the help and everybody's got so much vacation time. So I'm kind of limited on how many shows that I can do because with all the stuff I've got, I've got to have, I got to have the help, you know, but right. uh, we, we enjoy it. It's, it's a lot of work, but. You know, you just mentioned buying if you see a card buy it if you like it i don't know if you remember i was at your table not this last dallas show but the one before and you had a stan mutual card there um it was a was a red man a red man with tabs and I, yeah and i passed on it somebody bought it i remember that and somebody bought it not long after me and i came back to buy it and i was yeah. so mad at myself like you yeah. idiot you loved that. It looked so yeah. cool. It was great. The price was fair and it, it, it didn't really fit anything, but I just loved it. Like it didn't fit like a project or any, I love Mutual, obviously, yeah. but at the same time, it's like, God, that really just kind of is a, it's just kind of one of those things that would just be in my collection with no real right. purpose. So that's why I originally passed on it. And I regret that. Yeah. And Mike, that happens all the time. Holly and I will <laughs> come and look at a card and they're like, Oh, I love that card. And then, well, you know, I'm just, we're just kind of walking around and, you know, we'll probably be back. And a lot of times they'll be back and, you know, the card's gone a lot of times, um, you know, and, and that happens, but yeah, I mean, if something really catches your eye and you like it, and, Hey, if you can get it, get it. Cause you That's may not see advice. Yeah. It's brilliant advice, simple and very wise for sure. Uh, last, last topic. Now I'll let you go. Okay. As a dealer, you're a dealer. I'm a collector. We're standing across from each other at your table. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking my thought process is, all right, how much under VCP do I think Craig will take right. this card? And your thought is how close to VCP can right. I get out of Mike? Right. And that's a very fair perspective for each of us to have, right? That's wow. how we should be thinking. The art of negotiation. There are people out there that think, the sticker price is a sticker price. I have sworn and I haven't paid sticker in four or five years for a right. card. Um, my, maybe partly because maybe it's overpriced to begin with. And I'm not, I'm certainly not going to pay that, but even if it's a fair price, I always want to feel like I left getting a good deal. Right. right. And I'm willing to move on. And most cards are not unique. You'll walk down the aisle, especially at the national and you'll find another one. Oh yeah. Know? So it's not like there's not competition out there for you as a dealer. And so you have to, all right, do I want to sell it to this person? And, and people are afraid to negotiate. They're afraid, I think, to offer a price because you don't want to insult a dealer. Right. And I've, I, first of all, I've never been worried about that. Not because I, I don't want to insult anyone, but at the same time, yeah. I'm offering you money for cardboard, right? Yeah. Uh, you can choose to say yes or no. And, I never get mad at a dealer for whatever they price their cards at because it's their card. They can put on there whatever they want. I just don't have to buy it. Right. right. So right. there's this back and forth that happens. How do you feel about people wanting to negotiate with you? Do you have any cool stories of somebody just completely besides myself, completely lowballing you on cards? Um, you know, 
there's people that, that buy graded cards and we'll stick with graded card topic that I usually will pull up VCP. And if they don't have VCP or maybe they don't know much about graded cards, I show them anyway, you know, because some people buy graded cards as an investment, don't know a whole lot about graded cards. So I usually show them like what the sales are. So they have an idea what it's worth, but you know, those people that sold those cards on eBay also had to pay a fee. So I think that there's a point, you know, and I walk around to try to buy graded cards and some dealers want the full eBay price. I don't get that. Maybe I'm, but I mean, that's just the way I am. I mean, but I think everybody wants to have a fair deal. Uh, and I'm, I'm at the show to sell cards. I'm not at the show to show them off. There's some dealers that are at the show just to show them off. I'm not that way. But I always feel like if I sell somebody, if I sell you a card, Mike, a graded card or whatever, and we come to a fair price, then you'll probably come back and hopefully buy another card. And I, I use that a lot when I sell somebody a card and they say, well, will you take this? And, on, you know, obviously on raw cards, I got a little more room. But because uh, graded cards are, you know, we, we can we can look those up and kind of see. But I always try to give somebody a deal um, where we look at what's the last ones are sold for on eBay and find a fair price. Um, raw cards, I can, you know, I, I try to give a discount if people buy quite a bit of stuff. And you know how that where I do that for everybody. Right. But just you know, some dealers won't budge. They won't budge. I've seen it. Um but I try to be as fair as I can on a graded card. So yeah, I think everybody should, if you're a buyer and go into a dealer table, you should make an offer on something, you know, if make sure that you feel good about it. If you think you paid too much, you're not going to be happy with that card. Right. So, I mean, you know, uh, it, make an offer. You, I think that's what it's all about. You know, uh, there's a little give and take, I think. Does it matter to you as a dealer? If a, if a buyer, if you can build a rapport with a buyer, meaning even at the first national that I bought stuff from you in 19, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I felt like I got a good deal. Not because I wasn't trying to manipulate you. And I was just telling you, this is for like my PC. This isn't right. And you can only take how many people come up and BS you. How right. do you know for sure? Hopefully you can look around and tell I'm not BSing you. Right. But at the same time, if I, I feel like I can get a better deal if I, Hey, this is for a, a set I'm building or a registry I'm doing or a, and all of it's true. I, I, I always tell people never lie to a dealer, right. but I think if you make it more personal, why do you want this card? Right. Oh, I think so. I think you can get a better deal. Because I think a lot of the, like myself, a lot of the dealers are also collectors too. So we know, you know, where you're, where you're coming from. Um, but you know, I mean, if, if, I think a dealer's attitude needs to be if they can make the buyer happy and make a good deal, they'll come back and that dealer's probably not going to starve to death and not be right. able to eat dinner because they gave the buyer, a, a, you know, a few more bucks off the deal or whatever it was. Um, as long as they were happy, because if you're going to come back and do the show, they'll come back and buy again. It's real, it's real simple. I mean, it, and, I, and I do think that that your attitude, which is great is because you've been doing it a long time. Mm-hmm. I've seen some, I'll, I'll call them kids or kids in their twenties with vintage at their table that they've obviously bought recently within the last two years during the crazy. Right. And I'll go up to them and I'll say, Hey, uh, I, I offer them a price, whatever, some, some amount, probably more normal than what they have it priced for. And they're always like, Oh man, I've got way too, way more into it than that. And I think to myself, not my problem. Like right. I, it's not my fault. You bought wrong or bought, at a high point or whatever. Yeah. 
And so I just end up walking away or they're like, oh, I'll just keep it for that. You know, well, then, OK, you're going to keep it. I'm not giving you money. Um, You've got to get the deal that you want. I mean, you got to buy it at the price that you feel good about for that right. card. And um, if it's not the right price, then there's always another card. You know? That's right. And that, I think that vintage vintage collectors need to remember there's always another one that we've we've yeah. already gone over that. But yeah. And I've taken up a lot of your time already. Oh, Tell people, Craig, how to get a hold of you if they want to contact you, if they're filling a set, if they're working on raw or vintage and they just want to ping you and say, hey, do you have this stuff? I heard you. And got, by the way, guys, if you mentioned that you heard uh, Craig on this podcast, he will do nothing for you. But hey, no. <laughs> yeah, no, I. I really don't have a web page. I, you know, I used to sell on eBay and I kind of quit doing that. I, I, you know, I kept I stuck with the, uh, the shows, but, uh, um, how big vintage sports cards. And I, like I said, I'll be at the national. I wrote down my table numbers, two forty one at the national. Uh, but, uh, I'm online. I'm on Facebook. Uh, somebody wants to send me a face. A lot of people send me Facebook messenger messages. Um, and I do the best I can to help work on filling sets. Um, and it can get overwhelming. Uh, you know, because you get a lot of people requests and you, it's so much easier when you, I think that's why I do a lot of shows, um, these bigger shows, because people really like to see the card in hand, but I try to do the, take the picture of the card and, um, you know, show the price and this is what it, where it's at. So I do the best I can, uh, to be able to do that. And a lot of the, a lot of the folks in the, at the Dallas card show, I've helped them build their sets and they'll still send me some want lists and stuff and I'll, and we'll work out a deal. You, yeah, you have. And a lot of I did that for the yeah. 70 tops. Cause you yeah. didn't have her. I got back and I'm like, ah, oh, crap. I still need like, yeah. what was it? Like 40 something cards or whatever. Yeah. And I, broke, I went ahead and broke another set I had here. So yeah, I went ahead. that was nice of you. Yeah. Um, but so for those that are just listening and not watching and can the people watching can see your name here. Is it, uh, I'm going to spell it for you guys. It's Craig C R A I G. How big H A L B I G. Mm -hmm. h-a-l-b-i-g so if you go to facebook find craig yep send him a message with what you're looking for and if he doesn't have it he'll tell you and if he does yep. it'll help you out so yep i will is holly there she's not even there she doesn't even want to make an appearance she's here mike's mike wants to see you he wants wants you to say he hi. wants to see me yeah the other half of how big vintage sports cards oh yeah. it's actually a video yeah you're on <laughs> oh gosh i did not know this <laughs> Nice work. <laughs> well, she, welcome she's really the brains behind the operation, Mike. Mm -hmm. You already know that. Yeah. yeah. If you go to a show, you'll see Holly there. She will razz you, hopefully as much as she razzes me all the time. <laughs> and uh, but thank you guys for uh, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for doing what you're doing for the hobby and and helping people like me. And yeah. really appreciate it. While we're here, thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. All right, guys. Y'all take care yeah. and. Uh, Craig, you can stay on. I'll, I'll let these guys go. Y'all, y'all keep collecting. <laughs>